0: Hey, yo, it's your boy, Robin, back with a brand new episode of the Never Jaded Podcast. Giving flowers to Asian creators, you know what it do. I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle. What's good, man?
1: I must just... No, living life and enjoying what we're doing. I mean, we're blessed to be able to do this podcast to shed light on dope Asian creators and you know, performers, and uh, we got a good one today.
0: We do, we do. But before that, I have a little. I have a little rant. I gotta. I gotta. Well, not rant. It's a story. And my stories, I tend to ramble a little bit, but I'm gonna try to get to the point. How was your weekend today?
1: It was all right. It was chill. Um, didn't do much, you know, try to stay in and all that stuff. But it seems like something happened to you on your weekend. You want to just tell us right away?
0: Do you know the app Duolingo? Oh,
1: yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And where you learn so, languages and all that stuff.
0: Exactly. So it's a language app. You go on, you do lessons, collect points, unlock new levels, right? So about three months ago, this girl I was talking to, put me on to duolingo and we figured okay this would be a fun thing to do we both she's my only friend on there so we were like okay let's both get on to it you know we'll do it together every day you know keep each other accountable okay that was three months ago this girl hasn't logged on in the last two months okay but your boy here your boy here was been getting it in so in duolingo every week you're put in this league right you start off in the bronze league And based on the points you accumulate every week, the top 10, about the top 10 users gets promoted to the next league, right? There's 10 leagues in total. Yeah, boy, been number one every friggin' week, okay? I've been battling it out, okay? Last week, I made it to the final league, the Diamond League, the Duolingo Championship Finals. It was the last week, so it was a big deal. I've been number one for nine weeks. Off the, out the gate, there's one kid, one thousand points, number one. And to give you some context, a thousand points—that's like an hour of play time, okay? Which is, yo, know, it's not—it's it, a lot of time. After you know, I only play after work. An hour is a lot of time to put in. For the first couple, of, first couple days, I'm like, fuck this guy. I'm gonna rack up these points, okay? So I got it up to 4000 points. Wednesday, I wake up and this motherfucker is a thousand points ahead of me, right? <laughs> so he got 3000 points in one night. I'm like, "What the fuck?" And I'm going to tell you right now, 3000 points in one night is a lot. So I'm like, "Yo, what's going on here, man? Like is this guy cheating?" Right? So I checked on this guy's profile, all right? I don't know if it's a dude or a girl, I don't know. But that person is from India, okay, and then in in Duolingo you can pick any language you want, right? So their top language was English, and then their second language was Hindi with the Indian flag. So I'm like, what? Hold up! Is this guy cheating? Right? This guy's from India and he's. It's like me picking English, so I'm like, yo, this motherfucker has to be cheating because 3,000 3, points is one night is a lot is a lot, okay. It's not normal. It's not normal, okay? And so this is Wednesday morning. I discovered this. I I went to work. I couldn't couldn't work, man. So at lunch, I had to drive home to pick up some headphones. And the rest of the day, I couldn't even work, man. I just duolingo like a motherfucker, okay? So I got to the point, yo, listen to this. By Saturday, I was 6,000 points ahead of this motherfucker, all right? 6,000 points ahead of this motherfucker. I wanted that number one. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. Saturday, 6,000 points. There's no way this guy's catching up to me. I'm good. All right? So today's Monday. Sunday was yesterday. Sunday is usually like, okay, I got I to gotta do my work, type up the show notes, right? So I did chores in the morning. As I was typing the show notes for today's guest, I look on Duolingo And this motherfucker is a 1,000 points ahead of me. So this guy did 7,000 points in one night, right? I'm like, what the fuck? That's impossible, man. That's impossible, bro, you know? So I checked on his profile again. I don't know. Like, he has, like, six languages that he's doing, okay? That's not normal. Usually, I only have one language. I've been Mandarin this whole time, right? So I was like, this motherfucker is not playing fair, okay? Fuck this guy. So you know what I did? I was so petty. I, oh, fuck, man. I got on the Pro, okay? I got on the Pro Duolingo for unlimited lives, okay? And I bought the gems. So you got you, you know like in Candy Crush, you got to buy like the extra gems for the extra lives or whatever? In Duolingo, you can buy gems which are like multipliers. You can multiply your, your points, so I spent like seven bucks on the fucking gem pack. All right. I got a thousand gems and the whole day I was just fucking going off on Duolingo. And then like in that last hour he got like, and and, and this is how petty I was too. Okay. Cause this is, this was uh, when I was doing the show notes, it was 1 PM. Right. I Googled India time, India time. Well, it was a time in India. It was like 1 AM or something. Right. I'm like, Oh this motherfucker's probably sleeping, all right? This motherfucker's probably sleeping. There's only like five hours left. I'm good, right? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go play. Two or three hours in, he, it showed up, because you can see the guy, he's online now, right? So I'm like, this motherfucker, did he set an alarm to wake up just to check, right? So he's going off on 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 the league. I'm like, fuck, there's three hours left. Right? If, he could, if he's going off for three hours, then I'm like, I can't stop right now. Right? So my, my, my afternoon is gone. So for three hours, I was just dueling it out with this motherfucker head to head. All right? And I got the W. Diamond League. I, I just want to say, I know it was a long story. People don't give a fuck, but your boy is Diamond League champion. All right? Mm, whoever, wow. whoever that Impressive. kid was in India gg but canada number one all right canada all right. ichiban motherfucker i, I
1: like I, I like how petty you were how competitive you are and i think that really i can't do that i don't care enough
2: <laughs> i'm not that competitive <laughs> or petty
1: but we could definitely ask our guest today about how, like his experience with being petty or like this competitive especially in the field that he's in because i think there's a lot of like we'll try and one up each other and all that stuff. First so. off,
0: let's not say petty. Let's not say petty. All right. All right. Let's say winning mentality. All right. All right. You got to do mentality. what it takes. You know, it's like Michael Jordan. I took a personal. <laughs> mm. Uh Yeah. So let's get to our guest today. We actually got some pretty cool episodes lined up. I And I say I'm excited every week, but I, I truly am excited yeah. every week because, you know, first of all, we're still pretty new. Right. So, anytime someone someone's like agrees to come on our podcast, I'm like, "Holy shit! You want to come on our podcast? Cool, man!" You know. So, um, a few episodes back, we interviewed Vong. Mm -hmm. So, and recently he threw this
1: young Asian comedian showcase.
0: Exactly, a comedy special that showcases up and coming comedians. Right, and our guests. Was featured in the show, um, but that was that wasn't actually the reason I wanted to get him on. Uh, the reason I was like, "Yo, we have to try to ask this guy." Is when I did um, a research for Vong Show, my my intensive Nard War level of researching, aka checking his Twitter. Uh, I saw that he was on this other podcast recently um, by our guest today. And uh, it was like a, uh, it's kind of like us. I saw a lot of parallels. They were fairly new in the podcasting game. They're a duo, right? We're a duo, right? So he's a comedian. His friend is an actor. They're both trying to make it in the game. And the podcast is about, the podcast is called Have We Made It Yet? And you know me, Kyle. You know me. I'm all about the grind. I'm all about the winning mentality, as you already know from my story, right? So I was like, I look at these guys, and you know what it was? It was like, is like the NBA, and we're entering the league as rookies, and they're like entering the, around the same time. So it's like, I see them, I'm like, oh, I see you. We're Pierce, you know? Mm. And, you know, I would love to see where they go in in, in three to four years, and same with us. So that's why yeah. I was like, Yo, we have to to get these guys on, you know, Uh, because they they probably have the same energy and vibes, you know, you don't know. Maybe my guest today, you know, uh, spent another, uh, bought a pro Duolingo as well. You know, you don't know. Right. But without further ado, let's bring him on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Josh Yang.
2: Thank you. Thank you for that intro. You know what? I actually haven't been on a podcast in a while. So this is, this will be a good reminder of how to get into more of the like longer conversational me speaking a bit more. Cause like for, for, like you mentioned my podcast that have we made it yet podcast, we've been bringing on other guests. Um, not, not necessarily just Asian, but we do have a lot of Asian cause uh, Asian uh, creatives. Cause that's kind of our, network and we asked them about you know the process of making it and it's a lot of been asking them getting their perspective getting their uh experiences so this is kind of it's nice i guess to reevaluate where where i've come and where our podcast has come with um, with my partner lucas ing uh on the podcast there so thank you for having me um definitely thank you for reaching out. Cause I know that, I know that feeling of it's like, you're, you're starting off. You got like, nobody is really listening to you in the first few, it's just your friends, but you got to mm-hmm. s- somehow break through to somewhere else and like asking people to come on your podcast when you don't have it. Anybody who's actually listening is, is kind of a, is a tough sell sometimes or it's nerve wracking, but like, yeah, like you'd be surprised how often it is just a matter of asking and you might be surprised at uh, the results. So yeah, no, uh, good on you for for really <laughs> putting yourselves out there
0: thanks man thanks man and you know what i want to start off with a compliment this is how i know josh is like he's a solid dude you know he's a, he's a ride or die right because when i asked him to do the podcast he's like all right i'll do it but is it cool if i bring my boy on you know uh his, his partner lucas who's the actor right and i'm like oh wow that's a homie right there. You know, like, it's like, if I shine, my boy got to shine. Right. So, um, but little did he know, we were planning to get Lucas anyway, you know, so we actually scheduled him for the next episode, but kudos for you for looking out for your homie, you know?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, like in, in this making it world, you kind of gotta, you gotta work with your like support network. You gotta like help elevate each other wherever you can. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I feel like I remember also, I guess my impression was that like you guys were asking us about, I think our podcast in general. So I thought like both of us being on would be, would be a, a good idea. But again, no, definitely, uh, you got to ride and die with your, with your homies. Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's it was also quite, uh, uh, an odd situation where it's like in the beginning, I wasn't even sure like what kind of podcast I wanted to do. Cause I wanted to do a podcast earlier on I just started doing comedy maybe 2019 and like I every you hear all these com- comedians doing their own podcast but I just didn't know what one I could do would be like and like in my friend group I knew Lucas beforehand already so we were already mm-hmm. friends for a cup for like a year or so uh, I knew him mutual friends a while ago because I only moved to Toronto from Vancouver uh, 2019 as well oh no 2018 and it just so happened he was the other kind of creative guy he was just starting uh, to pursue acting, and we just we were talking together in line uh, to go see The Irishman at TIFF, and uh, we were like, oh, wait, he he was also thinking of doing a, a podcast. He did, like, a couple test podcasts, and he's like, oh, wait a second, you're an actor, I'm a comedian. Why don't we do one together? And then we just said, it was like, of course, why didn't we think of it before? Wow. And that's where we were like, w- what would we talk about? And since both of us were pretty new to this this pursuit like this passion pursuit of either comedy or acting we thought it's like well it'd be interesting to talk about what it's like to try and make it try to you hear that like making it in the business or making it in the entertainment industry but it's like you I feel like we never saw somebody explain what it was like from the very beginning as it was going on so we thought maybe we could do that because like we're we're both grinding it out Um, just starting out in the beginning. So we don't know where it's going to end up to. It could, you know, fail spectacularly, but that's also part of the risk of, of trying Mm -hmm. to do this. Mm -hmm. So we thought it's like, Hey, why don't we ask ourselves if we've made it every episode and just see, you know, share the experiences, the highs, the lows, the wins, the losses, um, the pain, and um, just like give a, put something out there that people, other people who want to kind of make it, or like are kind of interested in, in how to get started doing something like this, um, that they could follow our journey as well. And, and maybe get a sense, get some advice from our guests, um, about what it could be like. Cause I think we all think you see all these actors initially, you might think, you know, they're famous, they're like celebrities. Now I want that, but you don't always see how they got there and, and mm-hmm. the years of obscurity, uh, that they had to, to work through. So, um, yeah no that's that's why i gotta stick with lucas lucas my boy i I love it because it's always nice to hear like people are
1: getting into creative projects just because they start off as friends because nowadays a lot of times when you get into projects with other people it's always like oh because no we do the same thing we didn't start off as friends we just thought oh this is a good project that we could go on but it seems like you guys build a relationship first and then decided oh we should combine forces to do something great and i think it really shows with, like your podcast of like how you two are supporting each other doing like similar things and just try to help each other out i think that's incredible and will take people further than you no know, other ways of doing things
0: we're all trying to make it in something you know whether it's creative mm-hmm. whether it's business it's it, it, it whatever we're all like working towards something right uh so we're all underdogs in our own right so it's like when i listen to that podcast i'm like yo yo like i'm I'm, i want to root for these guys like i want these guys to make it i want this podcast to be over and then they start a new podcast it's like yo we made it (laughs) you know so um yeah but is it like is it like only is it only like actors and actresses because i I went down the list because i heard the first uh the latest couple episodes but then when Mm -hmm. i went down the list it's mostly actors i was like yo is uh josh not pulling his weight on the on the guests or is you know is it or is lucas just have a lot of friends
2: (laughs) yeah no so so far what we've been going at it is um kind of the making it concept is something where we try to tackle it because it's so subjective especially in the entertainment industry so it's not necessarily as something where like competitive in like a scoreboard sense, like say you're uh, the Duolingo story where like, you can objectively measure if you are better than somebody else, or you can just kind of pinpoint when you've made it. It's so much more of a personal type of, of thing, because whenever you feel like you may have made it or like hit a goal, sometimes you might get there and you realize like, oh, no, wait, I want something else. I want something more. It's like maybe making it isn't actually a thing you can attain because it's more of a endeavor. So it's something where we, we want to get as many different perspectives as possible. We tried branching out uh, and asking uh, a variety of guests as much as possible. But then at the end of the day, it's a lot of asking within our own network. Mm. Um, Lucas managed to have a pretty good good uh, network of like through is acting um, classes, doing other auditions, other people in the industry that he kind of knows to to pinpoint and, and reach out to some new actors, um, some like acting coaches as well, um, some other like music producers or, or uh, composers that he knows. And then similar for me, like I try to reach out to comedians, but then even I got surprised myself looking through my own personal um, just friend group. There were a lot of people that I I, saw were now just doing creative endeavors themselves and just bring them on because like I knew them from before. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's kind of surprising to think is like, there's actually more people out there that you may know who are doing these kind of passionate uh, creative projects and like trying to make it in a sense. Um, but yeah, like we try to ask as much variety as possible. We've had, like, uh, I just happened to meet this uh, Twitch streamer last year as well and got her on onto the podcast because that's a whole new world of making it that was never Mm. really fully you know um explored or is now starting to come into like some maturity there so it's a whole nother element of like social media uh your own streaming platform how do you develop and make it in that field as well um who else did we have uh man, I kind of like, it because you're right, there is a lot of actors, actresses, and comedians. Because it's, it's, to be honest, it's mostly a lot of that. We've had, actually, we've had a couple singers, uh, singer-songwriters that came on um, that I happen to know. Uh, and then Lucas happened to know. So like even song, music, that's a whole nother mm-hmm. area mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, and the thing I think if if anybody's interested in, in hearing about it or, or listening to the podcast is that, you know, everybody has their own passion. But in the end of the day, the most common um thing that came up when we asked them the question have you made it yet because we always start off our podcast we ask each other lucas and i have you made it yet most of the times it's no because like you know we're still making it but then when we ask the guests that as the very first question you know they'll answer it however they want to answer it but a lot of the times uh it's it's interesting to see that it's like their answer is as long as i'm able to make a living and just do this as my full-time job that's kind of that's what I see as making it. And mm. it really comes down to that is if you're able to take your passion and then turn it into um, your career. And that's, and like, who knows if performing on stage, you know, being in a huge blockbuster movie is like, okay, that could be a, another level of making it. But a lot of these uh, creatives and, and, and um, passionate uh, creators just want to be able to do what they love to do and not have to do another job basically mm-hmm. 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 so you saying
1: all that in terms of what your guests tells you in terms of like do they feel like they made it do you have that kind of same mindset of your kind of stand-up career and what you're trying to pursue what just Wait, doing it as a full-time job
0: let's get let's let's slowly let's let's do the dance let's not oh, get to that big question yet I don't want to mm. know if he made it yet. You know, I want to. I want to. I want to no, say that. I'm not. That for I'm, not, no, I'm,
1: not <laughs> I'm not asking if he made it. I'm just saying, does he agree? Prescribe to that belief, though. Mm. Like, if if the fact of like making it for them means oh, able to have a full time job doing what they like, does he believe in that as well himself, or he has yeah other aspirations to c-
2: put him into a spot where he mm. feels he makes it. I think for for me, I try to because the way, the way I see it the way I think we want to bring it forward is there is a certain amount of sacrifice you need to put into it. If you want to make it to whichever level you want to make it like, don't let it, you know, um, make you think like you can, if you just tried it out for a little bit, then you can, you can make it, it'll just happen for, you know, it, it takes so much time and effort. And a lot of the times, because it's so subjective, like you never know when it's going to happen. So you kind of have to have something else that drives you. Um, for me, like, I kind of see my comedy career as something where I enjoy being on stage, I enjoy the process of writing the jokes. Um, I feel like when I'm on stage, it's where I'm at my best, if that makes sense, is like the feeling I get and and the reactions I get is it just feels like I'm able to reach my potential in that environment. And I think just being able to do that as just as kind of a side project, a creative endeavor is something that's fulfilling enough to a certain degree, but I don't wanna get ahead of myself and be like, I want to drop everything and like pursue it 100% without, you know, I think it's a little bit of the Asian mentality in me because I know talking to a lot of different Asian creatives, like we have a similar mindset. It's like you start off going kind of the traditional route, university, something more stable. And then once you get out of university, that's kind of how you, that's when you're allowed to explore because you're out on your own, you're making your own money, then like you kind of lose, you kind of feel like you you did what you're quote unquote supposed to do. And like, if you looked at other Asian actors, comedians, Ken Jong was a doctor before, and then he started doing comedy. Then he started pursuing his passion. Like uh, Simu Liu, the, the actor, he was at a big four accounting firm. It got laid off and that was the opportunity that, you know, the op. it's funny how situations like that happen. Like sometimes you need that downward like um, moment in order for you Mm -hmm. to pursue that other opportunity, pursue what you want to do. So I guess there's a little bit of me that's kind of hedging my bet a little bit sometimes, but I feel like in my mind, I have an idea of how I want to make it. And that's like being able to work and be able to support myself, but also being able to do this on the side, being able to write on the side. And that if it leads to something, um, which you never know if it could lead to something. And that's that's kind of almost the beauty of doing it is that like you can keep doing it, keep trying. And then if something clicks, you you have an opportunity in front of you, then you can decide if you want to take it. Um, so I'm kind of in that stage where I want to prepare for it. And then if an opportunity comes up, Make that this decision and see if I've you know saved up enough to take that risk and uh, and pursue it. And I think that's a fair enough way of approaching it, as opposed to like just going a hundred percent in. Um, you know, just working um, like out of a coffee shop. And it, like I think if you're young, that's totally something you that's that's good to do because then you can really focus on it passionately. Um, but for me, I guess just me personally, I'm a little little older, like late twenties. So. I'm hedging a little bit. I'm not going to lie. So I think what I kind of want to do is is show that there's multiple ways you can do it. Like if you are 100% believe in it, absolutely go for it if that's what you feel like you need to do. If you feel like you want to pursue something as a hobby at first, slowly build up your, you know, your expertise in it, you know, slowly build the following. And then when something hits, you jump into it, then that's also valid as well. It's like, there's no one way of making it everybody has their own way of doing it and somebody else's way may not be your way. So in the end of the day, it's kind of like, you just gotta uh, take that jump, make that leap. Yeah. Trust the process. And also, you know, be aware of what you want out of it. Like be aware of what satisfies you and like manage your expectations a little bit. That's, that's the best um, advice I would give. But in the end I do have loft lofty, uh, you know, dreams as well if i in my mind i'll share the one thing where like i feel like if i made it in a comedy sense is that there's a um there's the comedy cellar in new york so that's a really famous uh, comedy club uh that's where all huge uh american or essentially global like comedians go and practice their craft and you never know when like a comedian will pop in like here or there like michael che or aziz ansari louis ck um chris rock Uh, They all go there pretty frequently. And there's a cafe right above it. It's called the Olive Tree Cafe. And it's where the comedians who go perform in the comedy cellar, that's where they hang out before their sets or during the show. So in the back of the uh, Olive Tree Cafe, there's a little booth, just a little table there at the very back, right next to the staircase that goes down. And on that table is where the, the lineup of comedians are. So it's like the lineup has eight or nine comedians there. That's where they hang out. That's where they chat. That's where they can see when um, it's their time to go down to to the cellar and perform. And in my mind, if I ever get to a point where I can do comedy full-time and it's like my career, if I'm able to pass their kind of like test in order to be able to go in as a professional comedian and, and just call in for spots, and be able to sit in the back there and just chat it up with the other comedians. That would be making it for me as a as a comedian. So that's my long-winded answer of, of taking it from multiple sides. Let's get into.
0: Um, I wanted to start off with because uh, you know we we interviewed Vong right, mm-hmm. and we um, and he talked about the the Rice Comedy Showcase, which you were a part of. Um, now I, I understand this was like recorded, um, a year ago, finally got released recently. Um, it's got a lot of local coverage in Canada. Um, how's the experience been?
2: It's been pretty, it's a really singular type of experience. Like it was already really surreal to be able to do that project really early on because I mean, just even that. Well, I was super fortunate. Like I had no expectations going into um, that process of trying to get on that show mm-hmm. because like I started doing comedy in July uh, officially in July of 2019, because that's when I, I would say I finished like doing this comedy class in Toronto. Um, which I, I, I do wanted to give a plug out because you know you you want to like share because um, so it's called Absolute Comedy Club uh, up in Eglinton in Toronto. Uh, it, mm-hmm. The class itself is called LOL Comedy Class, and it's run by two local comedians, uh, Fawad HP and Joe Vu. And uh, Joe, they're both Asian comedians actually, which was really great because I was able to really bounce off kind of that perspective um, off of them. And Um, having them be able to teach the process of writing jokes, being able to practice on stage and then perform on stage in front of friends and family was a great introduction into the process. And after starting in July that through uh, Fawad, I was able to kind of get in touch with Vong. And that was like through doing some of his um, shows here and there, meeting up with him, getting involved with an Asian comedy writing group and kind of starting to already make some connections there. And it was, I was only doing like comedy for like a few months, essentially at that oh, point. Wow. And to be able to oh, like wow. audition for him for the show and be able to get on the show. And like when I started doing the show January, it was probably maybe like six, seven months after starting doing comedy. And even then I was like, I'm I'm kind of happy already. Like to be able to do mm-hmm. that show, to be able to walk out on that stage in front of like 300 people at um, the, the Glenn Gould Studio uh, Theater, that was, Kind of like the first making it moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Like like y- people say, like you know, at what point do you make it? I would say like maybe you'll get a few making it moments where you feel like you've you've taken a leap, you you've yeah. gotten what it, a taste of what it feels like. And I would say that's definitely a making it moment for me to mm-hmm. be able to actually do comedy in front of a large crowd like that, which I hadn't done before, in on a good looking stage and to have it recorded it was like, it was a blessed experience. I like, I couldn't have asked for more and to be able to do it and then come off the stage, knowing I hit all of my jokes. That was, that was like, like, you know, the moment you felt when you got number one in diamond league in, in Duolingo, that's, <laughs> that's definitely what I felt coming off stage. Cause I was just so happy. I managed to hit all my jokes. Uh, the audience was, was enjoyed it. Um, so I was like perfectly happy with that. And then there was the, you know, Year and a half long rule of of the pandemic and like watching your hopes and dreams get crushed because it is it, such a weird epic high of being able to do it within six seven months and mm-hmm. then suddenly literally the only thing that could happen in the world that could take comedy away from you happens like if something if something else like major happened like a major earthquake or or like some kind of like seminal moment like whether it's 9-11 or like an OA financial crisis something global like that like where it changes your view of society it's like comedy was always there like you were still able to see comedians like work through what we've been experiencing in a society on stage but the one thing a global one, one in a hundred year pandemic that takes away your ability to go out to a bar for like a year and a half, the one thing that happens that is able to take away that whole atmosphere, that whole ability to do it, that happens. And that kind of crushed 100% that crushed comedians across the board mm-hmm. because that's like, especially if you've been doing it for 20, 25 years, you do comedy every night, essentially, for weeks, for months, for years. And this is the first time so many of those comedians have not had the opportunity to do it. So it's like a bit of your soul getting, getting ripped out.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So then, having to be in that lingo for 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 such a long time, and like try to put your creative endeavors somewhere else, it's that's kind of where Lucas and I, well, that's a whole nother story because we just started the podcast and then we had to switch it all up halfway through. <laughs> um, but then it's like pers- uh, pursuing other stuff like podcasts, uh, keeping yourself kind of busy. Uh, for me, I was also like looking for work at that time, so it was like that was a whole tough situation. And then now it's only when kind of like a year and a bit later, the Asian kind of discrimination thing popped up a bit more a couple months ago. And that's when we felt like this felt like a better time to really put it out there because we could have put it out there last year for May as well. But at that time, everything still felt really fresh with the pandemic. Um, The the George Floyd uh, Black Lives Matter things was really taking uh the globe by storm so we felt like maybe that wouldn't be a great time to also put our stuff out there because we want to make sure that the focus is on um on the black lives matter situation um so but now this felt like a right time and it somehow came together it was like this was the time where asian hate crimes or discrimination was really starting to to pop in the in the discussion in the global or or like western society discussion because the cases were going up higher and this felt like a good time for us to put our stuff out there because it just felt like the more we can put our comedy our perspectives out there the better and this we just happened to decide that's what we wanted to do um it felt like a right time and you know i don't think any of us really expected to be on like cbc national or or get as, or get like an article written in the CBC comedy. We, like we were hoping for it, but we weren't really expecting it. But to be able to get that um, recognition was already really great. Like I'd never done any kind of articles like that before or mm-hmm. like interviews. So to be able to do that was a great experience. So I think from start to finish, it's it was a whole all encompassing experience of highs and lows. And now that we finally put it out there, I'm just really happy that I, I'm able to get to see the set that I did see the reaction and be able to put it out there and just show, show my friends, family and show basically other people. I'm, Hey, I'm actually a kind of a comedian. You know, this is a, this is a little legit. This looks good. So, um, yeah.
0: That's awesome, man. And I didn't know you were just like a few months into comedy at that point. You, 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 you look like you knew what you were doing up there, you know, like it didn't seem like
1: those classes paid off. I mean, yeah, yeah.
0: for sure. (laughs) Yeah, Um, no. What Definitely. I wanted to ask was uh what was the audition process like? You know, was there was there a lot of uh competition? Was there a lot of Asians um signing up for uh the showcase? Like how how did that whole thing come together? Like how did you guys get picked?
2: Yeah, so I I, I would say it it was a well I mean when I First heard about it it was already during like the asian rec comedy uh, writing groups that we were in so me and uh, another performer anto chan who's on the on the show like we were um out after one of the writing sessions with vong and we were like getting uh i think it was just like a hole in the wall um indian food uh, nearby and like he was discussing because he was doing his his rice comedy show showcase mm-hmm, which was mm-hmm. like him and four and three other like professional uh, Toronto comedians. Um, and because he had already rented out everything and like had everything set up, he he thought is like, well, this might be a good opportunity to showcase some newer voices, some up and coming comedians, give everybody like spread the love a bit, you know? So because he had already all this equipment rented out, all these uh, cameramen paid uh, to come out and do it, it's like, why not do this other show and see if like you can get, eight or nine comedians on there, have them really push it, promote it, get into that like self-production type of experience and like try to give that stage time to them. So it was kind of during that discussion where he was like kind of getting a sense of that idea. And Anto and I were like, that sounds like a great idea. Um we'd love to offer any kind of help and support um, when it comes time to auditioning, would love to be able to audition. And I think he he opened it up either way. Like he mm-hmm. he put it out there, anybody who's you know of Asian descent, doesn't even have, doesn't have to be East Asian, you know, cause I think Asian and East Asian get put together too much or like quite a bit. Cause, mm-hmm. cause there's like South Asian, Southeast Asian, um, like a lot of Asia's the biggest continent. So like to be, to say like, war, the only Asians are like East Asians is, is really kind of just overlooking so many people. Mm-hmm. So he opened it up to everybody. um, And there's like different Asian comedy groups on Facebook. So, A lot of people submitted um, at the end of the day, there were like, I don't know the exact amount, but there was like 15 to 20, maybe that were like put together to try and do uh, a test show. So like we did a bit of a small test show where people would um, go on stage time. it wasn't that big of a crowd i don't think it was like uh, at the rivoli um and we just basically did our material there for four or five minutes or something like that as a test and then after that that's when kind of Vong made that decision um so it was like kind of you you submit you see what happens go on and perform um and then yeah you just go go from there
1: yeah and Like my question would be, you talked a lot about, oh, the process of doing this showcase, audition and working it out and to the the actual point of you performing and killing it. How about your thoughts and feelings towards now that your specific set has been released for close to a month now? How has the reaction been for you in terms of your family, your friends and everyone that has seen it? Like the coverage it got was not your normal kind of things that you would expect starting out in less than
2: a year, pretty much. Comedy, the, the,
1: the ladies sliding
0: in the DMs. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: well, I mean, on YouTube, there's like at this point, I think it's about like six hundred ish people have uh, viewed it, so it hasn't gone viral enough where like random ladies are are DMing me. <laughs> but uh, ladies that I know who are friends have definitely DMed me and saying like how great of a job I, I did. Awesome. So that that's mm-hmm. that was our That was like nice to be able to show uh, friends and family that because. You know, it's like I think from the Asian mentality, it's your Asian parents will always want you to, you know, pick something that's stable so that they can feel like you're secure, you know, and anything where it's like not so secure, things like entertainment, so subjective, like you don't know when you're actually going to be able to get something stable. That's just what they they will generally worry about. But if you're able to show them something that seems like it's more legit, that kind of assuades their fears a little bit more. So that's why I would say like being able to do something like this, not only would it like assuade their fears a little bit more, but also just for me, it kind of also gives me a sense where it's like, this looks good. This looks like it could be, you know, on Netflix. Just Mm -hmm. it gives me a confidence boost, boost uh, myself just to be like, I can see it as well.
0: Yeah, The production value was like top notch. You know, I can vouch for that. Um, yeah and, was... and like we said on this podcast with Asian parents, they <laughs> just need to see you on the on the on the news outlets. You know, you, you got on C B C. This guy was on Omni. I saw him do a, a Mandarin interview, you know? Game over. Your parents see that it's like, okay, okay, he's legit, you know, like let him do his thing. <laughs> yeah,
2: the, the Omni interview, that was the first kind of like interview, uh interview I, I did for, for comedy, and to have mm-hmm. to do it in Mandarin was <laughs> I was like sweating through it the entire time. It was, it, I was so worried I would embarrass myself because my Mandarin is okay. It's not great. Right. I don't, I literally don't talk to anybody other than my family. Cause I don't, right. you know, have that many, I would say f- fobby, you know, fresh off the boat. Yeah. Uh, friends that like speak Mandarin as more of their, their everyday vernacular. So like, I only really speak Mandarin to my family and that's kind of an insular experience. So it's like to speak that, to anybody else already feels awkward but to say it on in an interview was like I must sound like a four year old (laughs) because like you only see you only see 20 second clips I think of, of what I said but even then I stumbled around a little bit that was from like fifteen to twenty minutes of me trying to answer the questions in Mandarin, and then having to like stop every two minutes and have the have the interviewer like help me out. like, it was like, <laughs> it was like uh, what what am I thinking? It's it's this thing. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, that. It's like, yes, that. And then I would repeat my answer so they could oh. edit it, maybe. Wow. You know, so it's like that was nerve wracking in and of itself to have to do it in Mandarin. So, so,
1: so w- when your parents saw that interview, were they like, Oh wow, we're so proud of you. And then also like, well, we had some notes for your Chinese. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: No, it's, I mean, I think they, they were, they were definitely saying it's like, that's, that's like a, a cool experience. Um, I think I was already very upfront about, it. I was like, Oh, my Mandarin is, I don't know if it's good or not. It's like, it's like, well, it was good here and there, but like, you know, you could do a couple of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that that I was I think I was more tough on myself uh mandarin wise um than than my parents but yeah I think yeah just um being able to do this and like show them uh some progress is nice but at the end of the day I think as well it's tough if you're kind of an asian creative to have to really what is it like want your parents permission to do it. Cause like, I don't think that's a effective or like say healthy way of, of pursuing something creative. You, you, you should pursue it as something that makes you happy and it shouldn't be within a, in a spectrum of whether or not it'll make your parents happy or whether or not your parents approval will therefore make you happy in doing it. Um, it's a nice bonus if it happens for sure. But I think with like Asians, whether it's like in Asia or, you know, Um, immigrant kids growing up in like Western society being torn from both, both those perspectives. It's like, at the end of the day, they're not as familiar with this world as you are. So to get their approval on it is already going to be tough, but also it doesn't make as much sense as well. You know,
0: they have a totally different experience. Mm -hmm. Um, in their life you know like you can only imagine you know like they uh, a lot of immigrants come over here you know with nothing i can understand from their point as well you know it's like i came all the way over here i grinded so hard you know to put mm-hmm. food in your mouths right to put you through school and what what do you want to do you want to you want to be a youtuber now you know it's like so i i like it, it, yeah and so that's one of the struggles as being um you know kids of immigrants right because mm-hmm. like you know, we grew up with that Western mentality. We got to do um, it's more individualistic, right? Like we got to do what's hap- what's good for myself, what's happy for my mental health, what's good for my happiness. Um, but then you also have, you do take their experiences into account as well. Cause you know, they put in, they put in, they hustled for you to get into this position, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and I think the thing I've learned about my perspective on that, and I think the perspective of, this experience because it, it really is a unique experience. I think for the last maybe three, four decades of, of Asians coming to Canada, like lately, like when when China started becoming like, you know, much more rich mid 2000s and like some of the immigrants coming over w- was of a different kind of uh, class background, you know, is like before the 2000s, everybody who came over was, was like poor, students, you know, or like just trying or refugees or, or whatnot, right? So mm-hmm. it was starting off from the bottom. And like my, my parents, like my dad was a, a student who came to Canada and, and therefore I was able to come. But that mentality and the our generation that came up from that is such a unique experience because it's like because we didn't come from say like a wealthy uh boat right off right off the bat. Um, like that experience is, is very unique. And it's from one where it's, it's like, we're coming from a generation that had to work with that scarcity, that desperation in order to make it. But at the same time, I think for us to really take advantage of what they had to do, what they sacrificed in order to make it in this new, new world, is that we can't always think like the old world mentality Cause if we think like the old world mentality, then we haven't really, you know, evolved or evolved or forward. like, yeah, we haven't essentially made it. If we still feel like we still have to push for, you know, just stability, just for, for a, a job that we can make the other, the next generation feel like they still have to be stable and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I feel like our generation should be taking more risks because if our parents took that risk to give us the opportunity to take more risks and we don't take the risks, then it's like, why did they do it? Mm. You know, but it's it's also a mentality. I don't like. I don't expect the gen, older generations to want for us. You know, because yeah. like you said, they're they they went in with a very different set of experiences and life experiences. They knew what they had to do, what they couldn't do in order to give us a better life. But at that same time, they won't they won't fully know what we're experiencing, because what we want to do needs to. Be added on top of what they've done.
0: It's funny you say that because I think it brings back to what you said earlier of um, everybody's perspective of making it. Is, like their each in definition is different, mm-hmm. right? So in in the same regard, you know, your parents, our parents, their definition of making it and having a good life differs from ours. But there's no right or wrong answer. We're both trying to make it right yeah. So, yeah yeah i think that's what
2: you're trying to get at right
0: um but with that said though are are they um pretty supportive supported?
2: i would i mean i would say so like they they were like um you know they thought it was it was cool that i was doing it they came out to to the show that i um that i did in vancouver that was the first time like they were able to see comedy for me and i felt like i was already making that decision in my head is like should i should i you know bring them on because there were like other asian comedians that i knew it's like sometimes the show that we did was the first time that they their parents had seen them because mm-hmm. it's you know you never know based upon everybody's individual parents like how they would react
0: so you don't want to bomb in front of your parents <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean
2: i mean especially if like i think they're they're if they're first or like you know they just came from china and the, or their language barrier oh, is there oh, and it's like they okay, may not gotcha. understand it's like i don't yeah. think my mom fully understood half the jokes, Mm -hmm. but it was just nice to see me up there. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was like, that was a decision in my mind. is like, should I share that with them? And I felt like at a certain point where like, I've gotten old enough where I shouldn't, I don't feel like I need to, like, I don't feel like I have to get their approval. Yeah, Mm -hmm. in order to do it. So the stakes weren't as high for me. I just, Mm -hmm. I looked at it as I wanted to share this as a, a life experience that it was something like I was doing and I felt like it would be nice to be able to share that with them, to have them be in that moment as well.
0: Kyle, I thought it was going to be a comedy podcast today, but I'm getting life gems. Life
1: gem inspiration motivation. You know what I'm
0: saying? This guy is wise, man. He's like an
1: elders mint giving us the tips on how to approach life.
0: He's an old soul. I I could tell, you know, Uh, but let's segue into, into something different, you know, like, um, have you always been that mature growing up? Like let, let's go. I want to go back go into like a yeah. little bit of the, the childhood mm. of Josh. Cause you didn't grow up in Toronto.
2: No, I didn't this is actually a weird roundabout, funny type of situation because so I came to Canada actually at two and a half through Toronto Pearson Airport. Oh. So like my parents were already here as students and I like came afterwards. So I was mm. I came when I was really young and we lived in Hamilton for like oh, wow. four or five years. Yeah. So I actually lived in Hamilton. Okay. That was like a whole um kind of mini childhood there. Cause then from there we moved to BC and to, to Burnaby, Vancouver area. Okay. And there, that's where I like I was raised more so in Vancouver, um, Coquitlam, Tri Lower Mainland basically. And so that was like where I grew up went to university Uh, i went to sfu so for like most of my like end of kid to mid-adult life like was in vancouver and then i came back well i decided to after graduating from university to go to toronto and then when i came to sign up for like the the ontario health card I asked them, like, you know, do I need a, what, what what my number would be? And they're like, oh, we already have your number on file. It was from f- when you were a kid. Oh. So we'll just give Makes you that sense. number. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So it was it was such a, it was such a <laughs> odd, like roundabout, like nice little moment where I was like, oh, this is the number. Like I was here before <laughs> and now I'm back. Um, but like to answer that, like as a little kid, I think I, I definitely had a, uh an energetic side to a certain degree but you know i feel like when you're maybe like an immigrant kid you you don't you grow up you don't necessarily have the freedom to go out and like play per se you know like i wouldn't Mm -hmm. say like i often would you know actively want to go and hang out with or it's like i felt like i had to get permission so it was like i was a good kid in that sense so it was like I was always stuck in that mentality so I didn't have as much autonomy in that sense where I wanted to do it so I think I grew up with that in the back of my head and like there to a certain degree I think you know that will hold into your mindset a little bit more and I've been trying for the last few years to be more autonomous you know not have to succumb to that kind of mentality as much moving forward but I guess as a kid to a certain degree, I was mature in a sense. But the thing that surprised me the most, in terms of, from when I was a kid to now, would be, uh, public speaking. Because I think when I grew up, I was super shy on stage. Like I, I wouldn't be able to, you know, go up in front of a church, in front of the church, and like sing uh, with the choir or anything. That would be like really tough for me. And that, for some reason, over time, I think, developing a comedic personality in, in middle school and high school, that was what kind of made me less afraid of being on stage in front of people where if I, if I could make a joke on stage and the audience laughs, then I'm, I'm like, good. I don't know why it it was a weird turn. I don't even know when it happened, but for some reason, like being able to develop a comedic personality, make jokes with my friends. And then if I make jokes in front of an audience and then they laughed, I just suddenly wouldn't feel nervous on stage. So you were funny
0: as a kid. Like, when when did that start I happening?
2: Would, I think it was, um, I guess my, like, sense of sarcasm or, like, personality now would be, like, when we moved to uh, Vancouver and I would be, like, at home. I would come home after school and I would just, like, watch TV sitcoms. I would watch, like, Friends was, like, the Friends. big one. Friends, yeah.
0: No, Seinfeld, bro. I'm a team Seinfeld's already. You know man. what? I never <laughs> I wonder if
2: I watched Seinfeld or not. Um I I think I probably saw a few episodes here and there, but I don't think I got as into it. I think Seinfeld. for friends, for some reason, I think the level of comedy was like so sitcom and basic enough that mm, it was like yeah. I could understand I, I it. I
1: think I think with friends is easier to reference. Yes. Because I think Seinfeld, you need to be really into it and then like the deep cuts. Yeah. i'm a little
0: old i'm a little older than you josh i'm in my 30s so when when friends was popping off it was like the white girl show you know all the white girls <laughs> in the class watched it the yeah. homies watched seinfeld okay <laughs> yeah uh, no <laughs> absolutely but that, i mean i mean yeah. i mean going back i i like friends is still a, an amazing show it's funny yeah. you know uh i don't know it's yeah. something about seinfeld it was just like
2: no i i i realized i didn't actually fully watch seinfeld until um like last year during the pandemic whereas it like uh-huh. it's it's on crave and whatnot so i was like i never watched it now i'm in comedy now like i would appreciate it more and it's 100 percent the best sitcom ever yeah. ever created because it's it's like the jokes in it the the writing of it is it's so perfect the concepts for that time as well for how mm. new it was just from a comedic mindset and like having some experience now and doing it like i could see where they were coming from i could appreciate the structure a bit more um and i think with friends because it was just so easily digestible i just i laughed along with it as a kid and because i thought like chandler had the most actual jokes like he would actually have structured like responses punchlines to other what's happening i gravitated towards him and i i just i loved him as a character yeah. more.
1: I think with Seinfeld, is like he wrote it in mind of like, oh, it's my stand-up comedy yeah. set kind of thing. Well, so it's- the
0: the credit really goes to Larry David. He's the real Larry goat. David was really big. He's the yeah. real goat. Seinfeld, because like Seinfeld, uh, you know, like you watch some of his uh, latest stuff, it's not as funny, you know. But Larry David, Larry David's still killing
1: it out what do of he, here. What do you know he mean though, Seinfeld, as in his stand-up sets? Uh,
0: just in general, just in general, you know, like um you know i don't know for cuz when i was growing up like even his stand up I, I was like oh this guy's fucking jokes he's funny you know but like i don't know if it's like i'm older now um uh, my or, taste or has changed or it's just
1: that he didn't really he didn't really change that much yeah in it's my just opinion, not as like,
0: funny where um i and i guess that's uh, subjective but you know um larry david is just he's just he's just always funny you know like he's never <laughs> he's never fallen off you know so it's like uh, from first, curb for is me, still here. Curb, yeah, is curb still is here. like curb one is, of my favorite shows. You know, curb so is crazy. Like, yeah, so I'm like, yo, that's the real goat
2: right there.
1: <laughs> at, at this point, I don't know if it's ever gonna leave. <laughs> yeah, like, it keeps coming back every so often.
2: I mean, like, the the crazy. beauty of curb curb your enthusiasm is that like it's also a lot of just improv, right? Because yeah. it's like mm-hmm. the script is like the outlines of the structure, yeah, but it still ends up being the performers making the jokes themselves, mm-hmm. and I yeah. think that has a lot better longevity that way. But like I think you're you're right in that Seinfeld was was really good for that time because he was innovative at that time. Like when he was doing at the peak of his comedy, like nobody else was doing his style. As well. Like, and his style was so uh, innovative and then it eventually became so popular that it's it became hacky. That's that's mm. also like a crazy thing to imagine that like a comedian was so good, so popular, that everybody has heard his style so much that anybody else who attempts to do his style is just hacky now mm. because it, he's reached the pinnacle of what his comedy could have been.
0: I just you thought know. of the perfect example it's like eminem's music <laughs> you know in his heyday it was like so uh provocative they were like oh shit it's dope yeah right but now it's like you know i i ain't trying to hear him make uh you know talk about the same crazy shit you know like the dude's 40 all right you know I mean? Like
2: yeah so- yeah you really have to like adapt with the times and i think the comedy as well is like there's their comedy changes with what the audience changes to mm-hmm. as well it's it's mm-hmm. it has to be adapted that way because what is funny is dependent on what, how the audience reacts mm-hmm. so like what was funny 10 years ago may not be funny now what is funny now may not be funny right. in 10 years but you'll always have those comedians who for some reason like the timing works out well where their style peaks at the moment that the society wants that style and You know, I think now is is a great time for for Asian, you know, creators, um, Asian voices, Asian comedians, singers, uh, musicians, uh, pop culture, movie, film, all of that. Now is a great time to really push um, our content out there because now is the time where like we're now being thrust into a societal um, perspective with kind of the discrimination, the hardships Mm -hmm. there. there. From there it's tough, it's hard to say, cause it's like, you don't want it to happen, but usually in the toughest of times, that's when the best art is created. Yeah. Because like, you have to go through that suffering, you have to go through that, that turmoil to come up with something where you understand why it happened, what it was about, and like kind of the beauty of, of um, the moment. So it's, I think now is a rare opportunity for, for Asian uh, creators to, to start pushing uh, yeah. And to start like really getting more into it. And and like I would encourage as many Asians uh, out there, especially in like a West who grew up in the West to dabble in it, you know, take a chance in doing something that you might not have normally done. You'll never know just by you doing it, it might, you know, help later down the line. So that's, um,
0: that's a great segue. So what made you want to do it? <laughs> what, made me, what made you want to get into yeah. comedy? You know, you said you, you said you moved to Toronto and you started your comedy in Toronto and that's like it was what twenty twenty eighteen you said? So yeah, that's yeah. pretty recent, you know. So you were not you were not like super young when you mm-hmm. decided to ma- take that leap. Um what happened?
2: Yeah, no, it's um I that's what I realize now where it's like you need that encouragement, but you also need that, mm-hmm. an environment that is conducive to you know, the opportunities to do it. In Vancouver, there's two comedy clubs, essentially, like
0: professional comedy
2: clubs. Now it's pretty much one. Before it was like the comedy mix downtown. There was a Yuck Yucks um, comedy club downtown as well. And then there's another one um, in like South Van. I don't, or I'm not too sure exactly where, um, what that area is. But like now there's basically just the one Yuck Yucks the two downtown ended up closing. The comedy mix was the one that I actually went to a few times, but that would only be like with friends because they gave out free tickets here or there. But even then, when I went to those shows, I loved the environment. I loved seeing com- comics going up and performing jokes, but I never saw it as a, as a thing I would do. Mainly because like, I just didn't understand the the structure of it. Like I didn't know what steps I needed to do to get into it. There were only a few here or there. Like I didn't even know there were other sh- small shows in like coffee shops or like other bars because Vancouver is so is oddly spaced out. Like you have the downtown core in the peninsula area, uh, downtown Vancouver, but then everywhere else is like kind of a sprawl. You definitely need a car to get to those places. It's not as easy. So it, I felt like the community itself was r- rather small. Mm. And to a certain degree, if I was super into like listening to stand up comedy albums and I really wanted to do it, like you probably be able to know professional comedians in Vancouver quicker because because the community is so small, you would just have to meet them easier. Mm -hmm. But there'd be less opportunities to do stand up. So I didn't see it as something I could do. But when I came to Toronto and then I realized there's like multiple comedy clubs you can go to like through transit, they're pretty close to each other. And then there's just so many bars and like coffee shops that they will all have like an open mic, like here and there. So basically every night of the week, there would be an open mic show that you could go to. And because there was like so many more comedians, so much more opportunity, that's when I just thought is like, this seems like something I could do as a hobby. But in the end of the day, it still took a lot of friends like convincing me to want to do it uh, for me to give it a shot. And I went to the LOL comedy class because of another friend of mine who w- who was in the kind of the class before me. So they ha- they do it in like different sections, um, like segments of classes. So one class will go for like a few months, it'll end, and then another one will start up. So I had a friend who, go- who did that the class before me, went to his class kind of graduation show and because I saw how good the results were in his show and like all the comedians who went up there, it felt like they had some good jokes that that got good reactions. I was like, okay, this feels like it's a good way for me to get introduced into it, to be able to learn from actual comedians what the process is like, what the experience is like, and then be able to actually go up on stage and like just be familiar with the surroundings. Because that was another big thing that kept me from, giving it a shot. Cause I didn't think I knew I didn't want to go up on a random open mic, not knowing anything. And then just like bombing so hard. I had no reason, no knowledge of why I was bombing, you know, like that's a certain level of failure that I think in my mind didn't seem constructive. Like I want to know why I bombed. I want, I felt like I wanted to prepare myself as best as I could. And this class taught me, you know, what to do when you get on stage, uh, how to handle the mic, you know, just be able to be comfortable on stage, doing jokes, set your expectations. And it was through that, that, that gave me a good way of training into it, understanding what to do when I go up. And then now that I've done it a, a little bit, now I know exactly what I want to do to actually build upon that experience. So I think in the end of the day, it's like, that's one of the things we try to do with our podcast as well. Is like, if you don't know what to do, that can stop you from doing it because there's no easy way there's no way of like really knowing how to get started unless you do your own research unless you figure out or you hear other people share their experiences um so that's kind of one of the reasons why we did this podcast as well Is like if somebody can listen to our podcast and be motivated to do it because they hear how many other people also had no idea how to do it but they figured out a way they shared how they do it and like that pushes somebody to maybe try it themselves and that's that's what we want in the end
0: that's awesome yeah um so during the pandemic um how have you been working on your craft you know how does how is people surviving the how are comedians surviving the um the pandemic like what's going on in the comedy scene
2: well because there's no like comedy bars or or shows like there's so many shows that were staples of the toronto comedy scene um before the pandemic that have closed where it's just it's such a like a tragedy that that happened whereas like afterwards when things open up like who knows exactly what is still going to be out there but at the same time like because there was a clean slate almost there's like now going to be a new scene that is just going to be built up from it so it'll be dependent on what kind of scene that is but in that time, you know, other comedians, there will be comedians that get washed out. Like they, they won't be able to like, you know, just not do it for a year and a bit and like still go back to it. You know, at that point, too much time has passed. Like you got to figure out how, how else to survive, you know, get another job, go somewhere else in another direction. So a lot of comedians will have kind of washed out and they won't come back to it. But I would say for me, the ones, like I tried keeping up, you know, doing something creative with the "Have We Made It Yet" podcast, and then I started another podcast called uh, "Sleep with Josh," which is just me utilizing my voice and like reading really dull stuff, and like that kept me busy for e- almost a year. Lately, I'll admit, like I have not been putting out very many episodes. I think with like my work and stuff, I want to get back to it, but it is it's tough. It's tough to be consistent. I'll I'll say that for sure.
0: I like um, how you had mentioned the sleeping podcast because I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, you know, because like, like one of like one of your shticks was like your voice, right? You know, absolutely. Uh, uh, as part of your uh, uh, act, and then like when I first heard him on his podcast, I'm like, yo, this dude needs to do some like ASMR or some <laughs> shit, you know. And then when I when I uh, did research on him, I'm like, oh shit, he has a sleeping podcast, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, when, did, when, how did this come about and when did you discover the superpower of yours?
2: <laughs> I I think it, it was just ended up being like I performed enough and I feel like a, amongst friends enough where like I felt like my voice was was monotone and like had a certain quality of it where I mean, if it made people feel bored and like, you know, dozed off while I was speaking, then it's like, OK, my might as well use that to my advantage. <laughs> And like harness that power into something that's like legitimately what is what it could be used for, and like I I realized like yeah this is something I could do. I liked the joke of it, you know, like the the joke of the title "Sleep with Josh" is like mm-hmm. the double entendre, the 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 intro and all of that. I thought that was funny, but then I also thought the this like uh, what was it kind of the surreal kind of experiences like this guy's just reading a law or the dictionary for like an hour or half an hour. It's like, is is he actually reading the dictionary? And it's like, you go from beginning to middle to end and it's like, oh, he is just reading the dictionary. So I thought that was, that was like a funny enough concept to me that like I got a sense of, I liked the joke enough that that motivated me to give it a try and to just continue doing it. So at the end of the day, it's like, it was, it made me Happy! It made me laugh
1: <laughs>
2: at the concept, so I just so I was like, "This is this." Is, I think other people might find it funny as well because yeah. of, of how how like obscure and like just weird it is. That is like okay, cool. I'll I'll listen to him. Just like, and then I'll tell people I sleep with Josh. Mm, I love it.
1: it is, I love yeah. it, and it's just very just very ASMR vibes, and that's what people appreciate and like look for these days too. So I think you did something. No, really funny and also just works for a lot of people.
0: Kyle, if I had this guy's voice, I would I would have fired up that Fiverr account. You know what I'm saying? Just do voiceovers. He, this guy would should be a millionaire right now with that voice. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever thought about doing voice acting?
2: You know what I we I I looked into Fiverr during the <laughs> pandemic, like because I could I wanted to see what it was like about. Yeah, and then I I think I realized looking at the competition on Fiverr. Like they have their own recording booth or or whatever, like makeshift sound um, dampening uh, stuff. Like me, I'm just I just live in this one room in in Toronto, so it's like I don't got space for that. Um, but like voice acting, I thought that would be an interesting way of like another avenue. Maybe that get opens up other opportunities. Um, it could be some a fun experience. And is like if it's something I can do just at home with this mic, then like that seems like. Uh, tangible enough and endeavor so it's was like that that's something i'm keeping on my mind but i think right now just with my current uh, existing day job it's a little tough to find the mm-hmm. time um but that is something I, I i wouldn't mind presuming i wouldn't mind like voicing a character on a cartoon um or something like that but i do have to preface i have very little range like there's no it, the character has to just be my voice like it can't i can't yeah change my voice to fit really another character that doesn't speak like me so i'm very one line in one lane that way but if there is a sarcastic Amen. character who's like you're you know. you're like uh,
0: joe swanson from uh, family guy right like he he was yeah. on seinfeld as well putty you know putty, so he's yeah. always I love the him. same
2: voice I you love know him. he's
0: always that jock voice so you know there's a market for the niche you know? <laughs> no, yeah yeah
2: he, he he's definitely got like a top 10 most recognized voice um yeah. out there so like if that's if if i can land a sweet gig like that where you're just on a recurring show that's like fucking the simpsons like those people have been doing it for like tw- 25 20 30 years now and it's always a consistent paycheck and it's like if you can manage to land one of those great then then it's like okay i might now like leave my day job and actually do this if it's something like i can just get paid for it it's stable you know but um yeah we'll see we'll see
1: yeah how about actual like you talk about voice acting how about actual acting into that your partner lucas feel work are you interested in
2: dabbling in that as well exactly the same mentality is that i cannot play anything other than me (laughs) i i don't think i have the range at all to to do it or is like if I have to really dig dig deep to find that kind of, you know, emotional range, like maybe, but I think if, it, if I can just do like almost like a Chandler Bing-esque character where I'm like, you know, just making those quips on the side, then I, that, that's like my happy, you know, role. Like, I'm totally happy with doing that. You're not just, even interested in what was sketches? Ske- see, that's also, I thought like maybe SNL, what would SNL be like for me? Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't be able to be a regular cast member because I don't have range. like <laughs> for SNL cast members, you need to be able to good at doing multiple impressions, have a outwardly like emotional uh, range of, of of actions and um, skill in order to do a variety of sketches. The only thing that I think I would be good for on SNL would be the weekend update. That's the thing I, I think is the, <laughs> is like the most consistently funniest segment of the show. Uh, Is literally just jokes, so that's an area where I fully can understand. Mm -hmm. And like the delivery, I think that would work for me as well. It's just, but regular cast member sketches, Mm -hmm. like I also don't know. Like you can only watch one monotone, sarcastic sketch so many times before it's like uh, I gotta watch something else. So I don't know about me there. Well, I mean,
0: it's it's funny that now that you brought up acting, um, because like the last thing I wanted to talk about is, Mm -hmm. of course your podcast with lucas who is pursuing acting
2: um how did you guys meet it was funny enough it was and this is why it felt like kismet where it was like it felt like everything coming together i met him through a mutual friend who was a really good friend of mine mm-hmm. uh, andrew in uh and he moved down to toronto a few years ago and i was on my way um to do an exchange um in Europe a few years ago. And I stopped by Toronto cause I, I kept hearing great things about mm-hmm. Toronto. I wanted, I was thinking of moving to Toronto after, um, SFU. And I made a stop here for a few weeks just to get a sense of the city. And like the first or second night that I was here, uh, Andrew and I went to, um, the Yuck Yucks comedy club on Adelaide. And through there, Lucas also came along as well, just as like a friend, you know, just to meet, meet him and, um, be at the comedy show together. So the first time we met each other was actually at the Yuck Yucks comedy club. And then to think that years later we would meet, you know, become friends again after I've moved to Toronto and then now I'm pursuing comedy and like, he's, you know, pursuing acting is like, that just felt like everything just came together and, um, it just felt like he and I just had the, it was the right timing for both of us.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah.
2: Um, now my
0: final question before we end things off, and I'm going to ask the same question when I see Lucas, okay? Yeah. What is one thing that you admire or are inspired by Lucas? And what's one thing that you are envious
2: or jealous of Lucas? mm Well, I mean, like, okay, I'm inspired by Lucas in the sense that, like, if you meet, well, like, when you meet Lucas, you'll know. Like, when you do, when he comes on the podcast, you'll get the sense as well that he is just the nicest guy. Like, oh, yeah. like sometimes you you say to other people, is like, oh, he's a nice guy. He's like, oh, he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Like, no, Lucas is legitimately the nicest person you will meet. Like, he's just so, like, uplifting, positive like, he, he's very, um, like, in the moment with you. Like, he'll really uh, keep track of, like, what's happening in your life and, like, really ask you about, you know, things. Like, you know how sometimes you talk to people and, like, you think they're not fully there all the time? For Lucas is, like, when you're with him and, like, talk to him, and like, he really it feels like he's listening to you. And he's just, like, he's so nice. He exudes this type of, like, uh, just positivity. And that's, like, to me inspiring because, like, that's, A way of like how he can drive himself but like it also drives people towards him so that's something like i would say um he inspires me with at the same time that's that's what i'm jealous of as well it's like (laughs) come on he's he's like almost like the polar opposite of me to a certain degree because like my voice and my mental my personality it just comes off a little bit more like cynical Mm -hmm. you know a little bit more uh sarcastic whereas he's just like happy-go-lucky um so it's like i think we have a nice balance that way um but yeah oh that and, and his hairline he's got a great hairline
1: so. <laughs> the guy's a, a pretty of, boy what can i say you know i know i know <laughs> i mean you like comp- you guys compliment each other quite well then yeah
0: yeah um i would say so i, say I can so. contest to the nice guy thing because like okay I, I have not talked to lucas in person yet i've only conversed with him through dms asking him to come on the podcast mm-hmm. That guy is so polite. Like I was yeah. like, oh my goodness, you know? Like he, he's like, Don't worry, Robin. I'm gonna see you tomorrow at 9 45. You know, like he he remembered the time and everything. Yeah, yeah. this yeah. is so, so like... nice
1: to know when usually when you think of actors, they're like, oh man, they're like maybe yeah. n- out for like you know, top dog or like rare cutthroat, <laughs> they're like yeah. all about their opportunities and stuff. But yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to
0: okay cool uh i mean man we've we've went through for uh, it's, it's been a long podcast it has uh, a yeah, lot no, of life funny. gems from josh over here you know what i'm saying uh it's been great talking to you um i think we, we probably we should do a we should do one where, with both of them for the next one you know get them both back um mm. but before you go um yeah. let's do a little promo like where, where can people find you
2: yeah for sure um I'll just go through a laundry list off the top. Uh, check out my uh, new set on fresh rice comedy, uh, the web series. Um, hopefully like probably put a link out there. Uh, yeah. I'm really proud of that set. Um, really happy that I was able to do it. The amount of work everybody did on that show uh, and the journey it went from performing in January, 2020 to like releasing it in May, 2021 was, was quite a journey. So uh, definitely go check that out. You'll, you'll definitely get a sense of my comedy uh, off of that. Um, if you want to take a look at like all of my other social media, everything, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, it's uh, at Josh Yang comedy. And uh, to plug my two other podcasts that have we made it yet podcast. Um, you can see our uh, like video format of our interviews uh, on that podcast on the, our YouTube channel. Uh, and, yeah with lucas Ng as well uh the actor co-host so check that out it's available all podcast platforms and then you know if you get tired of my voice <laughs> and then get tired of my tired through my voice then uh you can listen to the uh, sleep with josh podcast that's only in the um in uh audio like visually is probably even more boring if you were to watch me read a dictionary for like an hour so I I won't subject people to that so uh, check that out as well Um, and that I I think that's it because like that's pretty much all of my projects have been coming and going up until May and now it's just a matter of um, doing the Have We Made It Yet podcast oh and we're bi-weekly now so Mm -hmm, we'll mm -hmm. put out a new episode every uh, two weeks so check that out
0: yeah. I would highly recommend checking out that that podcast especially yeah. if you're um some sort of creative or you know what any anybody that's just trying to make it in what they do i, I think it's know? a
1: good kind of inspirational kind mm. of m- motivational kind of thing to listen to this to get like mm-hmm. pumped up in terms of wanting to do their thing and like you know listen to other creators and people trying to make it i think it's always an uplifting kind of story vibe yeah. You
0: heard all the life gems he gave us on this one episode. Just, so just imagine all the gems you can get on his own podcast, you know, and a, a nice pretty boy sitting right next to him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. you know what? Tonight, I might sleep with Josh. You know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> hey, hey. you know what? The, I always say this. The more people that sleep with Josh, the better. That's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the tag on the, on the podcast. Yeah. That's awesome. All right,
0: Kyle, um, you know, you have your own podcast and it's way more popular than ours, you know? (laughs) So once again, why don't you, uh, shout it out for the peoples?
1: Yeah. So if you want to listen to my podcast, I do interviewing other diaspora Asians about their life stories and experiences. Uh, check out what kind of Asian are you podcast? You can find, find it on all platforms and, uh, check out the Instagram at what kind of Asian pod and yeah. And where can we find you, Robin?
0: me I'm not that important but if you do want to follow me my Instagram is the most active follow me at conrock c o n r o c but most importantly follow us on our podcast Instagram we just started yes. it and we need some love on there you know what I'm saying like you you want to see this show grow right we need to see the numbers right we need it, we need some leverage to get these dope asians on it's to give us their life gems you know what i'm saying so follow us at never jaded pod on instagram and josh thanks again for coming on the podcast it was amazing talking to you look forward to talking to lucas uh but we'll definitely have you back and i hope you enjoyed coming on to never jaded yeah
2: thank Thank you so so much thanks for having me thanks for having me
0: All right. And with that, we're out. Great. Peace.